Welcome to the Gateworld Podcast. Welcome to episode 152 of the Gateworld Podcast. My name is Adam. And I'm Darren. And this is the show where two nerds talk about all things Stargate. Uh, this week on the Gate World Podcast, we're going to take some time to look ahead to the year 2019. Um, at the time we're recording this, it is January, and we're just going to take the first show of the year to look down the road and hypothesize and discuss um, both uh, our desired outcomes and, and maybe our predictions for what is going to happen to the Stargate franchise in 2019. Last year in 2018, we got what was really the first Stargate in seven years at the time um, after Stargate Universe went off air in 2011 in the form of Stargate Origins. And that was a digital series that was distributed on Stargate's new platform, Stargate Command. And it also was cut into a feature length movie called Stargate Origins Catherine. So now that we're in 2019 and there's some distance in the rearview mirror between where we are in Stargate Origins, I think now is a perfect time to kind of re-examine where the Stargate franchise is at and where it could go. I can't believe it's 2019 already. I mean, I'm an old person. <laughs> You're a young guy. I'm an old person. 2019 is the future. I don't yeah. know what I'm going to do when we get to the 2020s because like, we're already four years after Marty McFly coming oh, into wow. the future. Yeah, that was a whole meme on Facebook when that happened, right? It was like, today's Back to the Future. Yeah, it was a meme for like three years, right? Because people kept like altering the digital display on the DeLorean. So that it said like 2012, I saw it show up a bunch in 2012. And people had to say like, no, somebody screwed up that image. It's 2015. Everybody knows that. It's 2015. Yeah, I think I felt really freaked out and realized we are living the future when someone posted on Twitter that Enemy at the Gate, the Stargate Atlanta series finale, aired 10 years ago. 10 years this ago. January, a decade. Yeah. So that memory you have of watching, you know, Atlantis in the San Francisco Bay, that was a decade ago. Yeah, we <laughs> just passed the 10-year marker for that a few weeks ago. Oh, man. So with 2019 is going to come a lot of exciting things for GateWorld, I know, but also hopefully a lot of exciting things for the Stargate franchise and the greater Stargate canon. Um, and we're here to discuss and predict all that. But first, let's talk about what's going on with the site. So what are you up to, Darren? People are going to notice if they check in with GateWorld uh, on a regular basis that it's been kind of quiet over the holidays and into the new year. Uh, we haven't had a ton to talk about and... Uh, Maybe we'll talk about why we haven't had a ton to talk about, <laughs> but, um, you know, there's, uh, there's a new novel, Stargate novel that came out late last year. There's comic books. Um, but, uh, this is kind of the season where, where we go, go back to the archives. We look at, at our favorite episodes from the previous shows. We've got your, your legacy column. We've got Sarah Kehoe's column on Stargate universe. Uh, we've been doing a lot of that, and we've also been writing uh, editorials. This is a good time for us to, to sort of do in text what we do here on the podcast, which is kind of sound off about what what we're seeing, what we want to see, what opinions we have about where Stargate could go and ought to go. Yeah, and I'm actually just wrapping up my legacy column, which started a couple years ago, I think now. Um, there was a bit of a hiatus when um, there was no Stargate between Universe and Origins. But uh, my whole uh, hope with a legacy column was to go in and 
document or kind of reflect on my thoughts on three of the best episodes of each series. So three from SG-1, three from Atlantis, and three from Universe. And right now I'm in the tail stretch of Universe, um, doing epilogue and then Gauntlet. Yeah, Gauntlet's a really nice marker point for the end of the Stargate Legacy column, at least in its current iteration, because it's that, that last moment from SGU. It's the last produced hour of television until we get to Stargate Origins in 2018. And in terms of Gate World content, we also have some interviews that were captured last year from Darren that we've yet to release. Um, a couple of them I'm really excited about. Can you just tell us what you have left from your convention circuit? Yeah, when we were in Vancouver for GateCon in the fall, I did a, a bucket full of interviews, and we've released about half of them so far. So next up is going to be Michael Shanks and Lexa Duig. Uh, I got to sit down face-to-face -face with both of them, so we have a, a fun video interview. I think it's about 15 minutes long when all is said and done, uh, and we get them talking about Stargate, about their characters. Uh, Lexa, of course, played Dr. Carolyn Lamb the last two seasons of SG-1. And then they also talk about a project that both of them are involved with, uh, which is now airing in Canada called Unspeakable, which is the sort of miniseries that Robert Cooper did about the Tainted Blood scandal. Yeah, Michael's been very busy ever since SG-1 went off air. I mean, he had the medical drama on Canadian TV as well, right? Yeah, um, Saving Hope. Saving Hope. So that one's coming up next. And then we've also got interviews uh, in the can with Martin Wood, who, of course, directed tons of Stargate um, with Patrick Curry, who played fifth. And then I got to sit down with Steve Basic, who played Camulus. Uh, you'll remember the deep cut before he was Camulus. He played Major Coburn all the way back in a kind of a bit part in the third season of SG-1. So I got to sit down with him, talk about Stargate, and talk about um, Andromeda. He was a regular on Andromeda, which is a sci-fi show from the, the late 90s that, that I really liked. And I loved to get a chance to talk to Steve Basic about the difference between the two characters that he played, the two Rades. Yeah, and if you go back and look at the GateCon footage that actually you shot in the highlights video, there's this moment at the end of the convention where pretty much all the guests in attendance, the special guests, whether they were producers or writers or actors, are on stage for one final moment. Yeah, and they were all on stage together. I think that's the biggest collection of Stargate creatives in a single room or on a single stage we've had since the show's we're on air, you know, mm -hmm. because like we've had conventions scattered across the globe, but no one convention as big as this with this comprehensive of a guest list. Yeah, it was kind of amazing to see. There were over the course of the weekend at GateCon, there were over 40 special guests. Wow. And it was, yeah, it was amazing to see so many of them just share the stage together. It was a ton of fun. So we've got the interviews coming up. And then we also have, as I said, uh, your Stargate Legacy is wrapping up these these final installments. Uh, we've got Pathogen up now for people to look at. Um, and Sarah Kehoe is working on her old-time Stargate fan watches SGU for the very first time. That's the hook for this series, which is a lot of fun. Uh, she is a, a longtime fan of SG-1 in Atlantis, but she's watching through Stargate Universe for the very first time. Yeah, and Sarah as well was not part of like a GateWorld staff. She was not a regular GateWorld writer. If I have it correctly you know she came to you or you went to her and and she's writing specifically for this column which is kind of marking 
the first initiative of something I want to do, which is to bring in more Stargate fans to share their story on the website or to share the episodes they're passionate about. Yeah, for sure. Um, one column that I've just reactivated is the My Stargate Story column. We've had a couple uh, go up. We had Sarah Carroll and John Cannon, and jo with John Cannon being uh, the author who wrote the most recent Fandemonium novel, uh, Female of the Species. And I'm looking to do a lot more. I have a few who are a few people who are currently in the process of writing their story, but I really kind of want to use this as an open invitation that if you have a story of Stargate has influenced your life. If you met you know, a loved one, you met a spouse or you had an experience meeting one of your favorite actors or Stargate inspired you to, to have your career go in a certain direction. I know I've heard plenty of people be inspired by Carter to become an astrophysicist or to go into the field of yeah. science. And that to me is, is, what's so special about Stargate is what it can do, not just to entertain you, but how it can affect your life in a profound way. So if you, if this sounds like you, please come, please reach out to the site and tell us your story and we'll work with you to develop the article and then we'll put it up on the site. Yeah. Reach out to us on the main site. You can, you can look for the write to us link at the very bottom of the website or just reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter at GateWorld. Uh, the My Stargate story is such a fun column because it really is about how not just like what you love about the show, but it's about how the show has impacted your life. And it's been going for so long now. It's, you know, a lot of, of folks like you grew up on it that there's so many stories out there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. People who are in their 40s right now were in their 20s when SG-1 came out. So that can very easily have affected their education. I know someone said it inspired them to uh, go back to school and finish their, uh, I think it was archaeology degree uh, mm. because of Daniel Jackson. And that's so cool. I mean, that has real-world ramifications for someone's career. And 20 years later, they can look back and say, wow, Stargate helped me You know, garner up the courage or inspiration to do that. So we want to hear your Stargate story, and uh, otherwise, if you just fancy yourself a writer and you, and you want to do some kind of ongoing column like Sarah's doing, or maybe it's a one-off idea that you have for, for an editorial or a bit of Stargate analysis, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Ready to talk about Stargate in 2019? I am indeed. The main discussion. So once again, our main topic of discussion today is Stargate in 2019. We're recording this in January. We're looking backwards at all the fun that we had with the first bit of Stargate Origins in 2018 and forward to where the franchise might go, where we hope it will go. Uh, we're, we're sitting in this time period where uh, the next big thing, if there is to be a big thing, hasn't been announced yet. So if you are in the future... Uh, you probably know more than we do, so forgive us for not knowing about what hasn't been announced yet. Yeah, I think, you know, in all honesty, I think this is going to be a make-or-break year for Stargate. Um, and not to be overdramatic, but I really believe that because we got what I call a ping notification from Stargate Origins. It's <laughs> Stargate kind of just dipping a toe in the water and getting back on the greater sci-fi radar. You know, it got Entertainment Weekly. All the trades wrote about it. It's kind of like, hey, you know, I still exist. I'm here, you know. Yeah, this is a thing that still exists. Yeah, do you still love me? And and I think it got a good response, and especially with the Stargate Now campaigns and the, the way it kind of reactivated the digital footprint of Stargate fandom. It was very successful in that regard. If we go through the entirety of 2019 and do not get any new live action Stargate or even new animated Stargate of a high production value, 
Stargate's going to kind of just fade back into irrelevance again. And, and that impression that Origins made is kind of going to fade away. You know, I'm always an optimist about these things. I always try and look on the on the sunny side. But I got to say, I feel like at this point uh, in January, it's it, it's kind of already fading away. Um, there's a in in Hollywood. There's always a kind of strike while the iron is hot mentality. And when your franchise has been off the air for seven years, it's um, it, it takes a lot to get the momentum going again. It takes a lot to get. The, the attention, not just of the hardcore fan base, you know, those of us who are going to sign up on day one for Stargate Command, but the broader audience, right? There's a, a huge audience out there who watch Stargate. Maybe they watch Stargate religiously every single week, and they've never heard of Stargate Origins today. They've never heard of Stargate Command. Um, that broader audience, I think, is is what you need to reach, whether it's through a TV show or a feature film or some other kind of project. And once the momentum is going, once you've, you know, you're in the trades and you've got a new a new show that you're selling, you got to keep the momentum going. And if you don't keep the momentum going, people are going to forget about it. Yeah, and we're in the golden age of resurrecting old properties from the 80s and 90s. I mean, it's it's going overboard in many senses of the word at this point. I mean, you know, you have you have people developing uh, obscure reboots of movies like Flight of the Navigator, The Black Hole. Like, I mean, oh, movies no way. You, is there a Flight of the Navigator reboot? Well, it's it's, it's being developed. Um, it's been in development. Hell, we've had a couple writers, you know, revolving door of writers, but they're trying to get these movies oh, made. Oh man, I want to see that. And, and so it's like if if those movies are going to probably get made at some point shouldn't Stargate come back in full force? Because Stargate is an actual franchise, not just, you know, with SG-1, it went well beyond a successful movie from the 90s that can be rebooted. Yeah. Um, and I got really excited even last summer when I saw the Stargate Origins Catherine uh, movie on, like, the front page, page of iTunes. It's like, this is what we need. It's like, yes, Stargate is back in the limelight. But to your point, after summer, there hasn't been much news in the world of Stargate besides the conventions, but that's really just for the the tenth of one percent of Stargate viewers, not the, the broad coalition of, of Stargate's casual viewership. And that's what needs to be brought back. And, like, I do think the best way to do that is a proper show or a proper film. But at, you know, as of recording in January, we don't have any kind of inside line on what could happen this year. It's really interesting to me watching this industry when networks and studios renew things. Do, do you do you make sure to try and renew a show before the final episode of the season has aired? Just about the only thing that I watch on Sci-Fi anymore is The Magicians, which just started its fourth season, and they announced the fifth season pickup before the fourth season started. So there's that helps momentum, right? That helps the fan base feel like the network and the studio are invested in this and they're going to they're going to keep this world alive. Uh if if you wait until the season ends and then it's like 4 months, it's in limbo, are they coming back, are they not? The actors' contracts are about to expire and then you get a renewal. Um that's that creates a different atmosphere for the fandom, right? And for the franchise. So the fact that, that it's been so long since Stargate Origins finished last March, um, it uh, we know some of the behind the scenes as to, to to why that is, but I really kind of feel like it's it's starting to become uh, the enthusiasm of the fan base that that came back with Stargate Origins is a is a precious resource, and you you don't yeah. want to lose it. 
I will say, you know, to play devil's advocates a bit different than um, an ongoing TV show, especially one, say, like Stargate Universe, which is serialized, because when the f- season 2.0, you know, the first half of season 2 ended and the ratings weren't good, that's when everyone was sweating bullets because they know there's still a second half of the season to air and we have to make a decision now about a third season. And, you know, the season two ends on a cliffhanger, so what's going to happen? It's just everything was in a state of panic or uncertainty. Even the producers were feeling it. With with Stargate Origins, it's like the, the Catherine story pretty much finishes. It's not like Catherine's stuck on Abydos and it's like we have to have a second Stargate season of Stargate Origins or a second Stargate Origins movie to resolve that. Yeah, yeah. So in a sense, I feel like it's... Story. Yeah, it's a self-contained story and it's a fair presentation. We got the story we, wa- we wanted and especially now that it's cut into a movie, it has a feeling of completion. You know what I'm saying? Um, at the same time, the greater energy, the ebb and flow of the traffic and the spotlight on Stargate is waning dangerously thin and that's where it's like something has got to get in the headlines in the next few months to say hey you know stargate origins wasn't the anomaly it's uh it's the new standard it's like you're going to start to get stargate content consistently from now on as we ramp up the franchise and that was kind of what was promised and you know the fandom uh with stargate command and you know stargate's official presence on social media is there and that's great to see and that's important we still need that main attraction that show that movie that kind of central story that that we were here for because honestly we're here for the live action storytelling for in canon stargate stories and that's kind of what's not being delivered right now yeah so we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, which is the, we need a main attraction. We need to, you know, the, the, the main show that you go to the concert for, that you go to the fair to see. Um, and all the activity that's going on around Stargate command is really exciting and really encouraging. They've just announced a new sort of super fan project that they're doing with Tongle. That's, that's terrific. And, and a new web series would be terrific, but the brand, the franchise, I think needs a main attraction in order to, to be, a living, breathing franchise that's bigger than this this really um, admittedly kind of small niche of those of us who are hardcore superfans. Yeah, and I mean, at this point, I really think, you know, Stargate uh, fandom has a real official studio platform now in the form of Stargate Command. We never really had that. I mean, we had StargateMGM.com, which kind of came around at Universe and had a lot of behind-the-scenes featurettes, but it wasn't a streaming platform. It didn't have the same amount of editorial content. It especially didn't have a show like Dialing Home that is literally meant to, in a professional, you know, sit-down interview sense, capture the greater story of Stargate through its actors and producers and those who've been involved with the productions. That's all fantastic. I would have killed to have that. That would have been awesome to have like an ongoing documentary about Stargate back in 2009 as they were making Stargate Universe. So I have to be you know, very clear. I'm, I'm very encouraged with what, with what the Stargate command crew is doing. It's just because of uncertainty on the studio side, they don't have that main attraction, which is going to drive the necessary traffic to keep a program like Stargate command or, or the forum on Stargate command or, you know, fund a show like dialing home and keep it relevant. That's my fear. I mean, I'm just being completely candid here. Yeah. And I said a minute ago, I should, I should fill in for people who maybe don't read the website all the time or listen to, to every episode of the podcast. I said that the sort of we know a bit about what's going on behind the scenes and why there hasn't been a big announcement yet. And it's been so many months since Stargate Origins finished. Um, we know that right there was this panel at Comic-Con last July that, that I was a part of. 
and they the studio I think wanted to be ready to announce something and there there's conversations behind the scenes and right there's there's deals to be made and and you sort of have to cross the finish line before you go and tell fans what it is they're going to get so uh, right, they just weren't ready at Comic-Con so they said well you know hopefully we'll have something to announce at GateCon in September and conversations are ongoing and they're trying to trying to sort of get the best project up on its legs uh, and they weren't ready by the time GateCon rolled around so that's the wait and people are understandably frustrated that there's no news there's no announcement that's going to keep the momentum rolling but i really am reassured that those conversations are happening i hope that they bear fruit and that is what remains to be seen is what fruit those discussions are going to bear so to be clear, you're still saying, you know, now in January after, Holly, you know, Hollywood goes on a three-week sabbatical or three-week vacation, it just sh completely shuts down over Christmas. So you're saying, you know, when all the studio, when the studio lights come back on in January and everyone returns to their offices, Stargate is still a part of the conversation behind closed doors. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the case. They're, they're still talking about it. Stargate is still in the mix. Uh, they, they still think highly of the brand and want to do more with it. I just, I don't know what that is yet. So looking ahead in 2019, what is your best case scenario? What do you see, you know, what's your fantasy option? If a genie pops up and says, what do you want to happen with the franchise in 2019? What's your answer? Best case scenario for me is a TV show. Uh, it was talked about for a number of years that, that MGM might reboot Stargate through feature films. That's when we were expecting a new trilogy from Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich. Um, more or less, I'm, I'm fairly happy that, that that project didn't come to pass because I think a big budget Stargate feature film would be awesome, but I didn't want to see the original creators of the 1994 movie basically reboot everything, basically yeah. put an end to all the continuity of the TV shows, uh, ignore it and start over. Uh, I, right, I want something that's in the continuity of the existing Stargate universe where we have the history of SG-1's exploits. We have Atlantis in the Pegasus galaxy. We have Destiny still flying out there somewhere. Um, so a, a new TV show that's in that continuity. Uh, best case scenario, I think, is they come to us and they say, uh, okay, we've greenlit a brand new Stargate television series that is 13 episodes, and it's going to stream on Netflix or Hulu or somewhere where people are going to be exposed to it on the order of millions or tens of millions of people. And casual viewers who maybe have heard of Stargate but have never never really wanted to take a look or maybe they saw a promo and they're like, eh, it's not just for me. I mean, you know, we're, we're 20 years down the road of when SG-1 was made. The way we tell stories has changed. You know, maybe it's time for them to come back and say, yeah, like, let me give let me give Stargate a chance. I mean, I know a lot of people have tried out Star Trek because of either the J.J. Abrams movies of the Kelvin timeline or because of Discovery. And those are people who maybe said, yeah, I mean, Voyager, Deep Space Nine or the original series like I'm glad people enjoy it but it's not for me you know it's like in a sense you kind of got to bring you know honor the legacy of Stargate but bring it into the modern era and put it on a platform that it has a mass impact in culture or could have a mass impact in culture like on Netflix yeah all those things Discovery and the, the Kelvin films they brought new people into Star Trek right they actually created new Star Trek fans and they're not going to be for everyone and and lots of us old-time Trek fans are going to quibble with them in different ways but uh, uh, they bring in new viewers, and I think about the fact that it's been 
It's been, what, now eight years since SG went off the air. It's been 10 years since Atlantis went off the air. There's not just people who didn't watch the shows when they were on, but who have now kind of aged into sci-fi viewing, right? Who were kids when Stargate went off the air. There's there's a whole potential of, of, of sort of new audience. And that's what I would like to see for the Stargate franchise. I'd like to see the brand grow. I'd like to see Stargate fandom grow. So Stargate Origins was fine for what it was, which was... I guess fan service, right? I mean that in a, in the most positive way. It was sure, it was yeah, a gift yeah. that was given to the fans to to people who were sort of already in the family. Uh, the next thing I want to see uh, expand the family, make the family bigger, which is why I think it needs to be on a platform where you know tens of millions or hundreds of millions of people might get exposed to it, like on Netflix, right? People found Travelers on Netflix, and now Travelers has this growing fan base. Yeah, I mean, that's it's really great with Netflix. Like, instead of what slot you're in, you know, whether on a Friday night or a Sunday night or a Tuesday night at what time and whether it's on, you know, how quickly it appears on demand, you know, those were all factors in whether a show could get traction with a worldwide, a global audience or even a large domestic audience. The beauty of Netflix is now it's like you just have to be good. If you put a good show on Netflix, and the word gets spread around, it's not hard for the audience to go watch it. There's none of these barriers about what night does it air, how do I catch up, what program do I have to, you know, what extra cable package do I have to purchase to get this? So much of it is word of mouth and, right, shows that are good then theoretically are allowed to rise to the surface. And it takes a while, but Netflix so far is investing in, you know, at least a couple, three full seasons for a show to find its legs, to find its audience, I think Travelers is much bigger in season three than it was in season one. And Stargate, historically, as a franchise, it's it's been a very international franchise because it was distributed in so many different countries, you know, 100, 150 plus countries. And it has a very strong fan base in, you know, Europe and the UK, Australia, New Zealand, Canada and elsewhere. One of the problems with with the broadcast model, the old broadcast model, you know, we'd get new episodes on Friday nights on Sci-Fi Channel or on Showtime, and then it would air days or weeks or, you know what, some cases months later in the UK and in Italy and France. And uh, for uh, this was the birth of the sort of Internet age, the, the you know, going online and talking, you know, even before social media, you'd go online to forums like ours, and talk about the episode, like right when it aired, we'd get massive spikes in traffic at like, you know, 10 o'clock at night on Fridays after the episode had aired. And what you can get if you drop a show now on Netflix is you can get simultaneous release all over the world and everybody watches the show at the same time. I think it's really good for, for Stargate. It's really good for the, for the brand and it's really good for fandom to be able to have this worldwide shared experience. And part of the problem with the older model is it kind of inadvertently encouraged illegal downloading because if you're a fan in Germany or you're a fan in Italy... I know nothing about that. Well, no, but if, if you're a fan <laughs> in these countries and you, you want to keep up with the hype of Stargate Atlantis or Stargate Universe and you get uh, your show six months later, it's like there's so many people who would go and just torrent the the episode a few days after it aired in the US and like to be fair like I, I totally I, I don't encourage it it's not right it is illegal but like I understand it because it's very frustrating to feel left out 
I mean, we even see that now with the Stargate Command regional disputes, like people feel left out and then that totally. that kind of ostracizes them from what feels like the inner circle of fandom. It feels like they're pushed out of relevancy. And that's kind of, that's very frustrating to be a fan and say, you know, I love this show. I want to be part of the family, but it's almost like you don't value me. And so what Netflix does is just, is kind of not only will cut down on illegal downloading, but will bring in more viewers. So it's knocking out two birds with one stone. Yeah, and you know what it does for people who who don't want to download stuff illegally or, you know, the majority of viewers, of course, just don't know how, uh, it, it drives them out of fandom. It drives them out of active online participation in conversations. You know, you, you know that this new show is dropped and you're not going to get to watch it for X number of weeks or months. Then you know, like, you just have to stay away from GateWorld Forum. You just have to stay away from social media while they're talking about the new episode, the new season. Okay, so that's my best case scenario, right? 13 episode Netflix series that's going to, you know, drop in 2020, say. What's your what's your fantasy scenario? What do you want to see? Sure, so I'm going to go with something a little bit different, which is a 4 to 6 episode mini series that um, pulls on characters from SG-1, Atlantis and Universe and revolves around bringing the crew of the Destiny home. And if that sounds familiar, it's basically because it was Brad Wright's combo movie pitch. Um, I, I know this sounds like maybe the ultimate fan service, but if we're not going to reboot the franchise or go with Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich's original plan, we really need to honor the shows, the story of Stargate Command, the story of its employees, the story of the SG teams and and the Icarus crew. And like, I feel like there's this this giant Whole, even if we kind of like jump forward and say, oh, Destiny's fine, you know, they're out there somewhere. There's this giant crevice in the middle of Stargate's story. And like, I think a mini series that specifically revolves around Destiny completing its mission or rescuing the crew on the Destiny will kind of like give finality to all three shows because we saw SG-1 cameos in in um, Stargate Universe. Stargate Atlantis never got its movie. I mean, maybe Atlantis with its uh, wormhole drive technology can get Atlantis to the other side of the universe. And then you have Atlantis and Destiny in the same frame. You know, you have all these characters working together. It'd be the ultimate Stargate collaboration. And it, and you can honor the characters and the values of all three shows while also setting the stage for a, a new show. So, you know, say they rescue Destiny, what happens after that? That's your new show. You know, what happens to Stargate Command once we've tied up all the loose ends? Is it program disclosure? Do we explore a new galaxy? There's so many options, but I think we need one giant event series. Maybe it could be a two-hour movie, but I think a four- to six-hour miniseries um, that you can put on Netflix or something like that will be more successful and more important. And if you bring back stars like like Richard Dean Anderson and, and the cast of SG-1 and Robert Carlyle, like people will show up for this. Yeah, yeah. I, I guarantee it. Yeah, it is, it is fan service in the sense that it honors everything that's come before and it honors the fact that there are stories in Stargate history that are left untold. And for some of us, right, the return of Atlantis to the Pegasus Galaxy or the the destiny crew in stasis in between galaxies. Uh, those are, those are associated with the show's cancellations. Those are painfully untold stories. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it would do a huge favor to, to fandom. It would be a huge boost of confidence to, to go back and tell those stories. 
And the other thing is that the Stargate mythology was really growing in leaps and bounds in the last season of Stargate Universe with the discovery of the cosmic background microwave radiation. I mean, that is such an important important yet unanswered question. I mean, we don't know what we learn about the ancients or the four great races or just life in the universe of Stargate. The, the discovery of what that complex signal is from the beginning of time could inform an entirety of Stargate mythology. That is so vital to answering if you want to go, you know, go forth with this television universe canon and kind of continue to tell the story of Earth and Stargate Command into 2020 and beyond. Okay, so if that's best case, what is your uh, pragmatic prediction? What do you think is more realistic that we might get in 2019? I think it's going to be another season of Stargate Origins or another... Maybe they won't go with the uh, 10-minute episodes, the web series distribution, but we will get a low-budget movie, you know, 90-minute movie, kind of like Stargate Origins Catherine was, and that's going to be the one main course of 2019. That's my prediction. Low budget, meaning like a couple million dollars. Basically what Stargate Origins is, maybe a bit more, but but not on the scale of Stargate Continuum or, or not even close to the scale of theatrical, like, you know, what you'd go to the movie theater to see. And I mean, that's honestly like, that's okay. It could kind of like maybe keep up the hype of Stargate Origins. I think it would certainly be welcome. It's It's baby steps, but they did kind of set up Origins with... Right. I, I got to remind myself, MGM never promised us anything. They never promised that Origins was going to be an ongoing series. But right, they got this really cool name, Stargate Origins, plural. And there's like I can think of lots of origin stories I would love to see. And I mean, honestly, if we're going to if they're going to stick with the Origins model, what we'll probably see is something with existing characters, like maybe a Braytac origin story or or even if it's not an origin story, just a a movie about the Jaffa, you know, um, with, yeah. with Teal'c and, and Braytac. And that's something that's set up that can be explored and can be modern day and can be done for a low budget and can, you know, have a mixture of fans, fan appeal, but also a general appeal. It's, it's not going to relaunch the franchise to its greater glory or even take it a step further, right. but it will keep it on the radar. And, and per our conversation earlier, Stargate cannot afford to be silent in 2019. So if there's studio indecision or a lack of financing or a lack of consensus on direction, you can always just put out another Stargate origin story that keeps the story of Stargate alive and kind of you know starts yeah. to plant seeds about where Stargate is going as a creative universe. It's a modest investment to put a few million dollars into a second Stargate origin story. There's a question of format. Uh, do you dole this out as 10-minute episodes over the course of several weeks? Uh, when they filmed Stargate Origins Catherine, they weren't sure how they were going to distribute it. Uh, it was sort of up to the, the last minute when they decided how many episodes per week they were going to release. So we got 10 parts over the course of three weeks. Uh, three or four weeks with Stargate Origins. Um, but it was made to be a movie, right? And I think there's there's kind of general consensus that Origins works better when you watch the feature cut, when you watch it all together totally. and you're not left, you know, wondering for three weeks how it is that Catherine possibly could go through the Stargate and not remember it. <laughs> so maybe, right, maybe you do a project like that with a little bit of higher budget and maybe the decision is to just release it on Stargate Command kind of like a TV movie, just do it, you know, 90 minutes all at once. It's, it's, it's a movie. It's a, maybe it's a Jaffa story or whatever it is. Maybe it's about the ancients. 
and you sort of release it to fans. It's first it's on Stargate Command for subscribers, and then a few months later, it's like they did with Stargate Origin. It's available for for retail digitally. Sure, and, and just to be clear, I'm not drawing on any kind of privileged information like Chris Judge has been very vocal that he wants to come back and reprise that character and yeah, you know, yeah. with Origins coming out he's saying you know can I do an origin story about the Jafar can I yeah. do a modern day story I think that's almost like a no brainer if you really if you need to get something out and you don't have the finances to do a TV show this is perfect if the conversations are ongoing that maybe you're going to result in something bigger down the road whether it's a, a film or a new TV show uh, I think you're right it's 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 smart to get something else going in the meantime if it's going to take a year or two uh, for for that to all get settled. For me, in order to feel like Stargate really is back, Stargate really is alive, uh, we need to at least know what's going on. Yeah, for something to come back and air in 2019, it would have to. We'd have to hear about it in the next month or two for them to, you know, hire people, start pre-production, shoot it, and then release it this year. Yeah, yeah, they'd need to be in pre-production basically right now for something that was going to come out uh, at the end of the year. So what's, what's, your, uh, what's your pragmatic prediction as to what's going to happen this year in Stargate? Pragmatic? I'm probably not in the, the right frame of mind to be terribly <laughs> pragmatic, right? Because when I'm optimistic, I'll say like, yeah, pragmatically, we'll get a second season of Origins and it'll be, you know, 90 minutes, a few million dollars. Uh, but uh, some days I'm less optimistic than that. I don't know. Pragmatically, I think what we'll get in 2019 is just an announcement, an announcement about something that is not actually going to show up. Major announcement, like a sh- like an announcement for a show or a new series of Origins, or what? What does that entail? No, I don't know what the announcement is. Maybe it's a, a mini series. Maybe it's Stargate Origins. Um, it's January 2019. I'm feeling more and more like we're not going to get a live action production released this year, but we will get the announcement of what's being released. So my my prediction for 2019 is not uh, season two of Origins. It's it's maybe an announcement. Okay, interesting. Maybe we should bet a buck on this. I don't know. I really feel, I feel very confident. I'm going to take the optimist uh, road and yeah. say that we are going to get some kind of live action Stargate because, and my rationale for and that- And you think it'll be released this year? I think so. And I think it'll be, I think the reason it will be released this year is, is someone in the studio says, we have to put something out this year. We have to put some kind of live action quality content out. It can't just be, you know, social media endeavors. It can't just be something on Stargate Command, like some interactive device or interactive project on Stargate Command, which again, I love, yeah. but someone's going to realize we have to have another Stargate story come out. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and put a buck on the table and say something's going to happen this year. I hope you're right. Well, Adam, last time we were here, we asked people to call in, send in their voicemails and give us their take on what they'd like to see for Stargate in 2019. So let's listen to some voicemails. Gate world. G'day from Australia. Brendan Gibson here from the get into gate Stargate podcast. I just wanted to say, I'm a huge fan of GateWorld.net from way back when. Great people. This year I'd like MGM to announce a new series based after the events of Stargate Universe. I think all Stargate fans deserve a bit of closure for that. Personally, I'm not a fan of the prequel idea. Even Brad Wright said, The Stargate series worked because they were set in the here and now. 
and I agree with that. I'd like to see a new team set in the here and now with new adventures but still retaining all that great Stargate canon from the TV series. And they can still complete old storylines. Maybe even go and see the Furlings again. I'd also like to see Brad Wright and maybe Joe Malozzi come back in some capacity. I'm pretty sure Cooper's busy so we won't bother him. Anyways, thanks for your time guys. Keep up the great work. Hi, this is Irina from Germany. What I want for Stargate in 2019 is the announcement of a new series based on the canon we know and love. Set in the present with General Carter in charge of the Stargate Center. A show that brings back some other familiar faces and shows us what has happened in the last few years since we had to say goodbye to Atlantis and the Destiny. That would be great. Hi guys, this is Scott from Scotland. Now, I obviously want a new Stargate series and I would love to see old faces pop up. But at this point, I would need to appeal to new viewers. And I actually feel I agree with Brad Wright when he said that Stargate should be set in the here and now. So if a new show retained the canon of the previous ones, there would be constraints writers would need to work within. Like for me, how advanced the Tari became technologically is quite a big issue. We're frankly too advanced at the stage it was left at. And for me, that makes it less relatable to the modern day, which is part of the spark which helped hook most of us in to begin with. Hello, my name is Daniel. I'm 22 years old, from Denmark. What do I want to see for Stargate in 2019? Well, obviously, I want to see a new series with a fresh take on Stargate franchise. What worries me is that it seems to be a habit in the entertainment industry that takes IPs like Stargate reboots and completely ruins something that already worked and meanwhile takes all the good stuff out of it. Similarly put, I want a new show with a fresh route that expands and doesn't destroy the franchise. A big thanks to everybody who sent in their voicemails. I noticed we got uh, we got four voicemails from four different countries which really demonstrates how international Stargate remains today. Some common themes here, but uh, Brendan from Get in the Gate uh, says he wants a, a, a show that's moving forward in the Stargate timeline, not another prequel. What do you think of that? Yeah, and he also he also made a point to say that he wants it to tie up the story of Destiny, or really, his words were continue uh, where the events left off at Gauntlet, the end of Stargate Universe. And you know, as I said earlier in the podcast, I'm a huge fan of that idea because I agree with him that Stargate's as a whole needs closure for yeah. for the show that was just left in left adrift quite literally. I think Stargate needs to move forward just like uh Star Trek needs to move forward. I'm super excited about the Picard series, right? Because it's forward beyond the events of the TV shows and the and the feature films. Uh I'm I'm on board with Stargate Origins as I've said as long as it's not the main course, right? I I love these web series and 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 TV movies that fill in a lot of this history. But I want a, a main show. I want the main feature that is that is moving forward. And what's interesting about Scott's voicemail, to your point, is that he says, you know, if, if Stargate starts to move forward and integrates a lot of their technology, like, for example, we have the Daedalus and the Odyssey and all these ships because of Asgard technology that they gave to us so and that was that was 10 years ago where would the tari be now today in 2019 if they were continuing to develop all that technology and, and he 
you know, put forward a good point that even if it's set in the current time, it could start to less and less resemble the world we know because it's on a parallel track. That's something I hadn't really thought of. And that's actually a bit of a creative challenge for whoever comes in and ostensibly picks up this canon in the modern day. Yeah, it's it's we we hear this point over and over again that so much of of what made Stargate what it was originally was that it was us and it was people in the here and now going out there into the galaxy. But uh, right, we're another 10 years down the line from where the shows left off, which was we had a fleet of ships. We had Asgard shields and energy weapons. We had the Asgard core installed on the Odyssey. Uh, it's uh, Scott makes a great point. If we get to the point where the Tari are too advanced, does the show become less relatable? Does it is it kind of less Stargate-y because it's less here and now? Yeah, I think one of the best comparisons for the challenge Stargate might encounter is actually the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Hmm. Because when Iron Man came out in 2008, it was pretty much modern day setting. You know, there was a war in the Middle East. Tony Stark was a weapons contractor. It was just the idea that, okay, maybe a, a certain genius weapons contractor has come up with a suit, you know, an advanced combat suit. And that felt pretty real world to me. Mm-hmm. The problem is now 10 years later, we have Guardians of the Galaxy. We have all these races from space. We have all this technology. You know, his suit is now made of nanobots. It's not like a, a, a metal suit made of metal components. It's like now we're into nanotechnology and alien involvement. And, and you know, our culture would inevitably cha- be changed by the attack on New York and all the various attacks that have happened on our planet thanks to this cinematic universe being opened up with, with okay, I can't even believe it, Thor. I nearly, to be clear, I'm talking about the Thor um, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah. not the Asgard, not that little gray guy that we love so dearly. But, um, you know, all, all that involvement is going to change the technology and the way of life of people on Earth. So, you know, 10 years into the Marvel Cinematic Universe or 20 years since SG-1 debuted and the Stargate program began, what's it going to look like? That's a really important question. Scott makes this point that uh, it it's becomes problematic for canon when there's so much canon, there's so much history, so many episodes to pay attention to. Canon can become too constraining for future storytelling. So uh, Star Trek ran into this, right? When J.J. Abrams came in uh, and did this sort of soft reboot, he, he did it in the 2009 Star Trek film in such a way that it was in continuity with the, the previous history. But now we get right, we get Spock with this time travel event. So we can sort of reboot the timeline and recast the Enterprise crew, uh, uh, but still respect. Right? There's debates over how much the Kelvin timeline respects the original. But um, I think this puts us in a situation with Stargate where one of two things is going to happen. Either MGM is going to bring back some of the old creators, right? Joe, Paul, let's get a new show from Brad Wright, please. Um, and in that case, the the next thing is going to be completely in keeping with canon. It's just going to be a continuation of canon. Uh, or if you bring in new creatives, either you're going to get some sort of reboot or um, the most that we'll get with respect to canon maybe is that they're going to say, we acknowledge this, this canon exists, this thing happened, this is Stargate history, but we're going to move forward and do our own thing now. Yeah, and to be clear, I really do think that regardless of whether Brad Wright or Melozzi or Carl Binder, Rob Cooper, any of these guys come back or not, 
I think MGM's intention is to stay with canon. So I, I'm not too concerned, even if it's an entirely new writing staff yeah. from, who aren't even sci-fi writers. You just you know get great drama writers to come in. Their mandate will be stay in this lane. You know, it's like you can explore the highway, but you have to be going in the direction that Brad Wright trailblazed and continued, you know, for almost two decades. Then you just have to convince your new showrunner that when he writes episodes and supervises a writer's room, they need to not violate canon, which is potentially, depending on the, the person that you put in that seat, it's, it's potentially problematic for the studio to sort of put those creative uh, guardrails or handcuffs on. Yeah, I, I mean, but I, I think that's the way to go. It's like if you want to come right for Stargate, if you want to play in the playground, respect the other people on the playground. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's something. And I think uh, Irina and Danny both gave that point. You know, Irina said, I want a show that kind of picks up the story of Stargate Command. And Danny says, you know, don't slice and dice the, the IP. It's like honor that it's Stargate. You know, maybe it's best that the studio comes up with a concept and says, we got to do a new show set you know in the here and now whether it follows destiny or atlantis or stargate command or somewhere different and then you bring in a showrunner so the writers come in knowing it's like we're here to lend our character building skills and our dialogue and our own style of storytelling to a predetermined story that says we are continuing this this universe uh. i honestly think that's what they're working towards i don't know um it would make the most sense well mgm i hope you're listening this is what fans want <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for sending in your voicemails. We'd love to continue to do this in the future of the podcast if it's about uh, whatever the topic of the day is for the podcast or if you just generally want to sound off about Stargate, about the state of the franchise, where you'd like to see it go in the future. Um, please keep sending us your voicemails. We'd love to, to hear them and include them in future podcasts. Um, and special shout-out also to Brendan and all the guys at Get In The Gate. You know what? There are other Stargate podcasts out there. So uh, if you've burned through the archives of the Gate World podcast, I definitely hope you'll go and search for Stargate on your favorite podcast outlet uh, and look for the guys that get in the gate. Yeah, and I think your point about voicemails kind of ties into something else that we're looking to do, which is really reestablish Gate World as a fan-powered platform. You know, having these contributors come in to write articles or or uh, sound off their thoughts on the podcast, like that's very, very important to me because I grew up listening to the podcast and I grew up reading the site and and I loved when guests would come in either on the podcast or on the site and, and share their perspective. It kept things fresh and it kept, you know, it really included the Stargate family. So again, if you have an idea, if you want to leave a voicemail on the podcast, if you want to appear on the podcast, if you have an idea for something you want us to discuss, just come talk to us. Like yeah. the door is truly open. I really mean that. Yeah, Gay World is is a site that is by the fans for the fans. And we want everybody out there to, to use their creativity and their, their voice to contribute to it. Uh, people don't need to sit and listen to us two chuckleheads talk all the time. <laughs> I very much agree with that. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Gate World Podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments section or on Facebook and Twitter about what you want to see Stargate achieve in 2019 and where you want to see the franchise go. In the meantime, I'm Adam Barnard, and thank you for listening to the Gate World Podcast. <laughs>